Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hey, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, Prosper, McKinney, Frisco West, all of you online, all of us here, Super Bowl Sunday, Valentine's tomorrow. No pressure, but it is going to be a great day and a great weekend. It'd be better if the Cowboys were in it. How many agree? Be more fun. Yeah, some of you could care less, and we will pray for you. Hey, um, uh, a couple things, uh, or just one, actually. We're going to dive into, I have a ton of information today. I'm, I love Philippians, so it's going to be good, chapter two. Um, prosper, update. So in, at the end of last year, we're hot and heavy, you know, just presenting, hey, this is what we're doing. We want to not only start our campus, we've already done that, uh, but we want to build a permanent home on our property on Prosper Trail and a little bit west of the tollway. And uh, so good news, in about a month or two, depending on the city, so if you know anybody in the city, and we have favor with the city to hurry, because nobody else is in line, right? Nobody else is building. Um, But uh, hopefully in a month or two, we're going to break ground. Isn't that good news? Yeah. So excited about that. I'll let you know in an email all the, where we are financially, so I know everybody reads my emails, right? When you see that, yeah, okay. My mom, my mom and my wife opened them up, um, but uh, excited about that. So be looking for that, and uh, we've got a ways to go, but, but uh, man, I think we're going we're gonna to get there as far as the financial end of that, so I'm excited. Uh, today, Philippians chapter 2. Now, um, the Prosper campus, just uh, as we're talking about Prosper, your, your campus pastor, Mike Martin, told everybody to read chapter 2 this week, or last week, and he was wrong. He wasn't listening to his pastor. He was doing his own thing. He's a rogue <laughs> campus pastor, and so today we're letting him go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Kidding. Mike, I love you. But so let me give you the plan, just in case you're confused, campus pastors. I'm going to speak on a chapter, and then we're going to read it, okay? So last week was chapter one, and so last week we read chapter one. So this week, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read chapter, or I'm going to talk about chapter two, and then you guys are going to read chapter two. Is that okay, Mike? If you have other plans, let me know, and I'll, and I'll change them. <laughs> Kidding, sort of. Let me go to uh, last week. Here, here's where we were last week. We started this, uh, this series of Philippians, chapter one. Here are the two points. Beginning, continuing, and finishing our faith is God's work. Just reestablishing, and for some of us, this is, you were raised this way, okay? You, you, I mean, you understand salvation and, and how we come to the Lord, but many of us, uh, some of us didn't, we're not raised this way, and there was kind of a both and. It's God does His thing, and we do our thing, and then we're saved, and then, or then we're made right with God, however you want to say that. I'm going to just say and just kind of lay this foundation that the beginning of God's work, the continuing of His work, and the finishing of His work is all Him. It is all Him. We can never do anything to deserve it. We can't earn our way to heaven or right relationship with Him. It's all Him, beginning, continuing, and finishing. But the second point is, as a result of His work, as a result of His grace, His mercy, and His, His goodness toward us, then we apply ourselves to grow in our faith. I mean, we just apply ourselves. We say, you know, in light of what you've done for me, I want to serve. I want to love. I want to grow. Today, 
we're going to talk about chapter two and why and the why and how of relationships. This is really, really key to uh, the mission of Christianity, and I'll explain that in a minute. But to, to get to chapter two, I want to go to chapter, the end of chapter one and, and just read this again. I read part of it last week, but I, but I want to lay this foundation because as, as he's getting ready to go into chapter two, which, by the way, he didn't write in chapters. Okay, you know that, right? He didn't write, chapter one is this, and chapter, he, he just wrote. And then we uh, divided all the chapters up, and there's nothing wrong with dividing the chapters. But I really kind of think this last part could have been part of chapter two, um, in the sense of setting it up. So let me explain. Here's chapter 1, verse 27, three verses. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So in other words, in, in light of what God has done for us, the, the, the work that he began, he's going to continue, he's going to finish. Hey, live your lives as citizens of heaven. So uh, flash, news flash for us, we're not citizens first of the United States. We're citizens of heaven. And, and that's a huge understand. I think it's a huge misunderstanding, especially in these days. But we are citizens of heaven, so live a life worthy of that. Then, whether I come and see you again or not, or hear you, about you, I will know, listen to this, that you are standing together. In other words, there is this, there's this unity with one spirit and one purpose fighting together for the faith. In Philippi, in the early days, there was a, 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 a very, very, it, it was a, a, a challenge to live for the Lord. Uh, the people there, you remember, we, we talked about this last week, they, they threw Paul and Silas in prison. Um, Christianity was not met with, hey, come in, Where do you, what can we do for you? It was met with resistance. It was met with, hey, we don't want you here. So there was this challenging, this kind of this fight, not in a physical way, but spiritually speaking, there was this fight for the faith. Don't be intimidated, uh, yeah, intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And we don't talk about suffering a lot these days in Christianity because it's a concept foreign to us as, 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 as in the West. For the most part, we've not been persecuted. We talked about that last week, but... In the early church, there was this suffering for Jesus kind of understanding that, that there was a great possibility that you or I could be, could be thrown into prison. We could be killed for our faith. We could be persecuted. We could be shut down. We could be that kind of thing, right? There was this understanding of, of hey, don't be afraid of suffering. And actually, Paul talks about this many times. We are in this struggle together. There's this, other, there's this whole thing of united together. We're in one spirit. We're, we're in unity here. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. So this is chapter, the end of chapter 1, and he's, and he's kind of laying this groundwork that, hey, we, we need to stand together. We need to be in unity together because we're fighting an enemy, and, and, and this is not flesh and blood, not the enemies of Philippi or the, the rulers of Philippi or the leaders of Philippi. We're, we're fighting an enemy that is stronger than them, and we need to stand together, stand strong. Now, chapter 2, verse 1, let's read. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy, listen to this, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, 
and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So there's the beginning of this chapter is this underlying understanding that relationships, healthy ones, that unity as the body of Christ, um, I, I would say even beyond the local church. So, so for instance, we have Hope, and many of you call Hope your home, and then, but there's other churches around us that are working and you know, teaching and reaching their community and serving and, and so forth. Y- you know, we're not in a fight with other churches. We're not in a competition with other churches, but we're, we're one. And so when I look at Frisco Bible, my good friend Wayne Broderick or First Baptist Chuck Martin or, or um, uh, Providence over here with Afshin or Gerald at Preston, whatever that's called. I can't remember now, Preston something. Um, there's, <laughs> sorry, Gerald, I love you. Can't remember the name of your church. Um, but, but there's this understanding that, hey, we're together. We're one. We're one. But, but then locally for, here, for us here at Hope, this really does matter. It matters globally, but it matters locally. But the question is, why? Why does it matter? That's the big question. Why does this matter? Chapter 2, verse 14. Just go on. Yeah, there you go. It's why. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Now, how many understand that's easier said than done? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow, right? So could we do one day without this, right? So this is, so anything and everything I'm saying today is not, let me say this, is I have not mastered it, none of this, um, whether it be in the church or in my family. I mean, uh, nobody's perfect, but as we think about our relationships, as we think about our marriage, as we think about our family, kids, as we think about our neighborhood, as we think about our work, as we think about our school, as we think about whatever it is that we're involved in uh, with hobbies or, or whatever, Paul, as it relates to us as believers one toward another, it is so important. But why is it so important? Why are healthy relationships so important? And, and it's not just this letter, Philippians, that he wrote. It was not just, hey, it's important for you guys. Now, you know, everybody else is fine, but you guys really need to work on this. But let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. So now he's writing to the church at Rome. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring, honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. So in other words, we're in the context of God's people. So one another, that's what we're talking about here. Not unity in our city or our country, but unity in the body of Christ. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Let that sink in. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. 
Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to, listen to this, to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, that's one letter. Philippians is another letter. Now, Colossians is another letter. Chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 12, says it this way. Since God chose you to be holy, the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen to this. I love this verse. Well, I don't love it because it's hard, but it's good. Make allowance for each other's faults. So, look straight ahead, but how many know that your spouse has faults? Okay? You know that, right? You know what they are if you've been married a long time. If you've been married a day, you know. So, he says, hey, listen, make allowance. If you know they're weak in this area, don't beat them over the head with it. Make allowance. And how many know that's easier said than done? (laughs) And forgive anyone who offends you. (laughs) And this is hard. I mean, this is not easy stuff. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which, listen, binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. In the context, the context here is relationships. So let the peace, let, let peace in our body, let peace in our Family here at Hope, rule in our hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So, in other words, he's establishing, and we could go on. Peter talks about this. Jesus talks about this. But the, 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 the why it's important to have healthy relationships within the body, why is this so important? He talks about it in almost every letter that he writes. Walk in unity. Walk in love. Don't think you're better than anybody else. If you find somebody in a sin, if you find somebody that's struggling, help them. Don't judge them, but just help them. Restore them. In almost every letter, I think it's probably every letter that Paul writes, he's saying the same thing. Hey, relationships are so, so vitally important. But why? Why are relationships so important? in the body of Christ. And he answers this in the same chapter, Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Here's what he says. So that no one will criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining, listen to this, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Okay, so let me translate a little bit what I think this, in the context of what he is saying in chapter 2, is there any encouragement? Is there any love in the spirit of, of, of Jesus? Then, then prefer one another. Make allowances for each other's fault. Love one another genuinely. Okay, so in light of that, so that when the world looks at you, when the city of Frisco or Prosper or McKinney or Little Elm or, or the surrounding areas around us and they see Hope Fellowship or the people in, in the body of Christ here, that, that they don't have reason to go, no, I don't want any part of that. Because they're fighting with each other like crazy. 
you know, I was raised in a church that kind of fought a little bit. I mean, we voted pastors out every, you know, two to five years. I'm not joking. That's, I mean, about every two or five years, we would say, okay, your time's up. I'm glad we don't vote here. I'm glad. It's just like, hey, you don't like it? Go somewhere else. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Don't go somewhere else. You don't want to do that. But the, the point is, we grew, some of us grew up in churches that fought over the color of the carpet, over whether it was too cold or too hot in the auditorium. We, we, they're, they're, so you understand what I'm saying. And let me just say this. Let me just say, I don't care what organization you're a part of, there's going to be problems if people are involved. You can you think of the business that you own, or the or the workplace that you're. Listen, when you get more than one person involved, even one person, because most of us are split personalities, so we we fight with ourselves. When you get people involved in something, it is going there. There is going to be the the high probability that problems are going to arise. So, so don't think that church is immune from that just because we love the Lord. Paul had a struggle with Barnabas. Paul had a struggle with Peter. Paul had a struggle with some, some people in, in the church at Corinth. Paul was dysfunctional, okay? Right? And I know that's like, oh, don't say that about Paul. Paul's not Jesus. He's Paul's like us. But you understand what I'm saying? You can look at his, and he was strong personality, Paul was kind of like, is my way or the highway? And although we learn such a great deal from him, we also learn that he talks about relationships so much because he probably struggled with it. Because some of you are like that. You have strong personalities. It's like, we got to do it this way. We gotta. And, it, and, it, and it can be a real struggle with people. And, and that's the way you're wired. That's okay. Paul was wired that way. Peter a little bit was wired that way. It's not, it's not a wrong thing. It's just, hey, we got to work on that. Some of us are more, hold it in, 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 and then we, yeah! and then it's like, wow, what happened to you? That may, not, that may or may not be me. I'm not sure. But the result is, and here's the point, when people look at us, when people look at us, what do they see? So I, I, uh, I don't spend a, a ton of time on Twitter, because there's not a lot of pictures, okay? And I like pictures. I'm a visual learner, so there's just a lot of commentary on Twitter, but I, I, I am on it, and every once in a while I'll look at it, and, and I just happened to look at it the other day, and I don't even know how I get on some of this, or how I see stuff. I don't even know how that works, but I see, um, for the last several times that I've looked at it, these fights or, or back-and-forth arguments between Christians about a variety of things. Okay, so they're, they're, this one was about modesty and about, and I don't even know what is going on in the Christian world out there. I must be in a little bubble because hope never struggles with any problems. Uh, we have nothing, but I, you know, I have to deal with it at other churches. So um, I'm looking at this and I'm like, what is going on? And they are fighting back and forth. I mean, like, I'm like looking at this as a pastor, as a Christian, and I'm going, this is embarrassing. And I'll say it. I don't care who, I don't even know who's on it. I don't know these names for the life of me. I'm just saying, guys, stop it. Amen. And here's why. Not because I don't like it. Not because I have the personality that I don't like any conflict, in which I have that personality. I don't like conflict. I don't like just for nothing. Let's have a fight. Some of you do. And that's, 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 I'm talking to you today, okay? Listen, listen. The body of Christ is his representative on earth. 
And the reason Paul deals with this over and over and over and over in all his letters is because it matters that when the world looks at us, can you put that back on the screen, don't criticize, so that they won't criticize that? Yeah, so that no one can, so, so that the world can't, the crooked and perverse people, and what, I'm, what he means by this is obviously maybe morally, but more so, they don't understand the way. They don't understand how to make their lives work. They don't understand that God loves them and has a plan for their life. And so there, there's crooked and they're trying to find ways and they pervert uh, the good to evil. And so that's what he's talking about. So when they look at you, so that when they look at Hope Fellowship, they don't see dysfunction. They don't see a bunch of people fighting and, and warring on social media and doing all sorts of weird stuff that, that the world looks at and goes, they're weird, and I don't want any part of that. Guys, it's not just hope, and I know I don't have any responsibility or any influence in, in the big C church, but I'm just saying for Hope Fellowship, guys, listen, the way that we treat one another matters. Amen. John, the Gospel of John, Jesus said it like this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Right. Prove to the world. So that when the world sees you, looks at you, looks at your relationships, the love that you have, the serving, the, 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 the genuine affection, they're going to know you're my disciples. When Je- I'm not going to go there, but when Jesus in the Beatitudes, or I'm sorry, in the Sermon on the Mount, he starts with the Beatitudes, but in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I went through every verse of the Beatitudes this week. What did Jesus say? Only two times, two subjects, prayer and money. And in one context, it was about relationships, but every other teaching in the Sermon on the Mount was about relationships. Let me list them. Here we go. Blessed are those who treat people right. So the Beatitudes, mourn with those who mourn. Walk in, in a gentle spirit. This, this, has, this has to do with our relationships one to another. Salt and light to others. In other words, it matters that you are walking and representing me well because you are salt to this earth. You are light to this earth. Next one is anger and revenge toward others. Next one is adultery and divorce. All this is relational. Vows that we make to others. Love for enemies. Giving to the needy. So that's the one part in, in the financial part. He's saying, hey, help those in need. Next one is judging others. And then the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Two times out of the three chapters in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about something else, prayer and money. All of these are about relationships. All I'm saying is is the why, let me put it on the screen like this. How we as followers of Christ relate to one another not only matters to God, but it matters to our mission. So it does matter to, to, to God that we love him with all of our hearts and we love our neighbor. How many times have you heard me say that over the last two years? I mean, love God, love our neighbor. That is the, the greatest commandment. Jesus was asked, what's the best thing I can do? What's the one commandment that I could keep that would be the right one? And he says, easy, love God, love your neighbor. And right now, the body of Christ, we're struggling I'm just saying, hope, let's not struggle with this one. 
Let, let's not, no, I'm going to say things and I'm going to do things that you may not like. I know many of you, you, you talk about motorcycles way too much. I, you know, you're probably right. I probably need to refrain. Maybe not. But some of that doesn't relate. And I understand, some, some, your husband may want a bike and you're like, you're not getting a bike. And John, quit talking about it. I totally get it. Totally get it. There's going to be things that, that we do here at Hope that you're not going to like. Of course, uh, there's things that, that I, we do that I don't like. Okay? So what I'm saying is it doesn't mean we're not going to have conflict. There will never be a church. There will never be an organization without conflict. But, a, an, uh, but as the body of Christ, we've got to understand that that conflict needs to be handled in the right way. Amen. Not on social media. But we handle it one-on-one. -on -one. You got something? Come to go to somebody. Somebody's offended you? Somebody in your home group has offended you or, you know, Bible study or whatever? Go to them. Handle it that way. And then if, if not, then, hey, go to somebody else and say, hey, we need to help. I've, I've been in the middle of this for, for the last six months. Another church in another state and a family that's involved. In, and I flew out to Nashville this week to help them navigate relational dysfunction. And it is hard. It is not easy. It's so complicated and it's messy. And, you know, not everybody's fully right and, and you just have to navigate those things. Guys, this is why Paul pushed this. This is why Jesus pushed this so hard, because how many, just think of your family right now. How many have a, has a family that is somewhat dysfunctional? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Somewhat. Okay, everybody should be raising your hand. If you're not raising your hand, somebody in the room is raising it for you because you're, you know, related to them, and they're going, yes, it's dysfunctional, right? All of us have dysfunction. How many have or work for a company that has relational things that are dysfunctional? Can I see your hand? Okay. So, so just live with dysfunction. It's going to happen. It is going to be in every family. It's going to be in every church. It's going to be in every business. It's going to be in everything, right? We just have to understand that our relationships matter to God, but they matter to our mission. Because when people look at us, they either want what we have or they don't. And we're the representatives. Okay, so, I mean, that's almost like a full message. Okay, so I spent a lot of time on that. The second big question, the first one was why. Why are these relationships so important? The second question is how. How do we make this happen? Because it's, like I said, it's easier said than done. Many of us grew up in dysfunction. And many of us have carried the, the, the way in which we were raised into our, our family and we've created a, a total another kind of dysfunction and we, we all have done that, right? So nobody's immune to that, but how do we correct, self-correct? How do we course correct as the body of Christ as it relates to one another and that goes to our family, our kids, and our church? How do we do that? Well, he answers this in Philippians chapter two. Let's go to verse five. So, in, in verses 1 through 4, he says, is there any fellowship in Christ? Is there any unity in the Holy Spirit? Then, then think of yourselves, uh, think of others as better than yourselves. In other words, prefer one another, all that stuff. Okay, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. 
So this is the how. How do we prefer one another? How do we make allowances for each other's faults? How do we love genuinely? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Listen to this. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So in in just these, what is that, three verses, we have the how. The how. You start with the attitude that Jesus had, so let me just list them for you. Just how is this, how do we make relationships healthy? First one is this, attitude of sacrifice. Attitude of sacrifice. Verse 5 says it this way. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And what was that? Sacrifice. He laid down his life so that we could have ours. He took upon himself our sin so that our sin could be forgiven. He took our punishment so that we could be reconciled to the Father. So when we think of sacrifice, if you've been married any length of time, you understand that it takes sacrifice. Think about, think about this in your marriages. Think about this with your kids. Maybe you're, uh, uh, maybe you're here today and you're in elementary school and, and you're in this room for some reason or on one of our campuses, or maybe you're in middle school or high school. And you are being just a little pill to your parents right now. Right? You, I mean, you are just rebellious. Everything they say, you do the opposite, and you think you're cool. Okay? Now, just, just remember, Papa John loves you, but, but you need some help. You need some discipline today. In other words, we sacrifice. And if you're a teenager in the room, and you're giving your, your parents just all kinds of fits and all kinds of problems, and I'm saying it nicely, but you're just being difficult, don't do that. I mean, I grew up, I was never difficult to my parents. <laughs> never. I'm saying within reason. All of us are going to be difficult, but you don't have to live a rebellious life and just give, give your parents all kinds of fits and, and stress and, because you just want to do your thing. Hey, can I just tell you, you don't make your life and theirs so difficult that it's just hell. Parents, are you, are you making your children not want to serve God because you go to church but you live another way during the week? Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's sacrifice. When we, when we say, how do you make things healthy in, in relationships, in the body of Christ, of course, but, but at home, with our friends, with our coworkers, whatever, we sacrifice. I sacrifice my will and let you have your way sometimes. You sacrifice your will. Let me have my way sometimes. It goes back and forth. And again, this is hard work. I understand it, but this is the how. You sacrifice. And then Jesus not only sacrificed, but, but he had an attitude of sacrifice, but he had entitlement free. The, the scripture says, he, he go to that scripture, I think it's verse 6 or something, 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Entitlement free. Let me ask you a few questions on this. What do we believe we deserve? Just think about that for a minute. What do we believe that we deserve? 
Second question. Second question. What do we believe we are owed? So I live here, okay, so I can say this. But do you think we live in an entitled area? Everybody knows the answer to that question. We got parents giving teachers and the faculty such a hard time. They're not making all the right decisions, of course. No, we don't make the right decisions. Nobody makes the right decisions. But there, there is this, there is this entitlement to our culture that I, I deserve this. I demand. It's not that we can't. It's not that we can't state our opinions. It's not that we can't go and say, "Hey, I don't like this." So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying the spirit in which we handle this. And more specifically in the body of Christ, is what do we think we deserve and what do we think we're owed? And then the last question is, are we willing to lay that down for someone else? Because that's what Jesus did. He gave up his divine nature. I mean, he's not his divine nature. His divine privileges, sorry. And he, and he just laid them down. Remember when Pontius Pilate asked him, who are you? Who are you? Do you know what's in my, within my power to either put you to death or to release you? Do you know that I have... And Jesus looks at him, and I'm not, I don't think he was saying it in a smart aleck way, but he was like looking at him, he says, the only power you have is what I've given you. Yes. The only power that you have is what I've given you, but he laid that power down. His divine privilege, humility, the last, the last one is... Entitlement free and humility. Chapter 7, I mean chapter 2, verse 7. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death when he did no wrong, no sin, nothing like that. And he just did it. Humility. Guys, living like this, living like this matters. Not because it's woke. Not because it's the thing to do in our culture to be kind because somebody on TV told us to be. Guys, this matters because we're required to live this way. When we put on Jesus, when when He becomes the Lord of our lives, there are times in which we give up our entitlement and we give up our way and we sacrifice and we humble ourselves so that this world, when they look at us, they, there is no reason, no reason at all that they look at the church and go, I don't want that. That's our job. And as hard as that is sometimes, as hard as that is to understand and to really live, and it's hard for me, all of us, to prefer one another, to make allowance for each other's faults, to forgive to genuinely love, to give a rip about somebody else, to not think of yourself better than somebody else. Those things are natural to us. We're naturally selfish, naturally self-absorbed, naturally looking for our own interests. And as, and as Christians, Philippians gives us another reminder to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, There's a bigger mission than your life. There's a bigger mission than your way. And the why, 
the why this is so important that we understand and love each other and serve one another is not just because we have to because God said so, because it matters to our mission. And then the how is we just be like Jesus, the attitude of Jesus. Sacrificed, gave up his entitlement, and he humbled himself. Easier said than done. But guys, as the church, and I can only speak for this one, whatever campus you attend, let's learn to love one another. Let's learn to serve one another. Let's learn to make allowances for each other's faults. It's so important that the world who looks at our church, that they see Jesus. It's important. Now, one more scripture, actually a few more in Philippians, and we're done, okay? But this is important. Therefore, God elevated him to the place, this is chapter 2 still. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, this is a mouthful. And this is such an important passage. Now, the reason I'm asking you to read chapter 2 this week is because there are a few verses that I did not even read. Specifically, verse 12 and 13. Powerful verses that I didn't even touch today. I want you to go read the whole chapter yourself this week and figure out what the Lord is saying to you. But the, the, he ends this with, with uh, hey, li- hey, listen. No, he didn't end it in the middle of the chapter. But, but the, 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 the final kind of thing in, in my mind as, as we close is that there's going to come a time when everyone bows their knee and confesses Jesus is Lord. Amen. There's going to come a time when everyone does that. There's going to come a time in which you will do that whether you want to or not. So my question to you is, why wait? Why why wait for that day when everyone has to do it? Because, and it's not going to be this this mean thing, it's going to be an acknowledgement. Right? It's going to be an acknowledgement. So today, whoever wins the game, the Super Bowl, the Bengals or the Rams... Whether you like the team or not, there's going to be acknowledgement that they're the number one team for this season. Now, I understand you Cowboy fans are like, nope, I don't believe that. We're number one all the time. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> because it hadn't been that way for 25 years. I know, I'm rubbing it in. I'm a Cowboy fan, but truth is the truth. But there's an acknowledgement, right? So, it's the same with Jesus. It's not because we don't, we don't. It's not because anybody's making us acknowledge that. It's not. It's, they won the game. I mean, they. they won. Why wait until then to acknowledge Jesus? Why don't you do it now? So some of you are far from God, and we're going to sing a song in just a minute that just kind of brings us to a close. And I want us all. We're going to stand together across all of our campuses. We're going to sing this song, and I want you to sing it if you're. If you're the person that has not surrendered to Jesus today, 
You've not ever bowed your knee or confessed that He is Lord. Today's your day. And while we sing this under your breath, I want you to just say, Lord, I don't understand everything about you. I don't understand. My, all my questions are not answered. But I know this. You've been looking and you've been searching for me and I feel it today. And I know that I'm supposed to bow my knee, so to speak, and I'm supposed to confess that you were my Lord. And maybe that's for you today. If you're a believer today, some of us have had real struggles with this relational health thing within the body of Christ. I want to encourage us. As, as Paul says, how do we do this? With the attitude of Jesus. This song is called More Like You. Less of me, more of you. Guys, that's the only way we're going to be able to do this. God, we want more of you and less of me. So as we get ready to sing this, would you stand with me across all of our campuses? And I want us to pray before we sing. Lord, your word is, I, I say this every week, but, but your word is so powerful and it, and, it, and it just cuts, not in a bad way, it cuts in a good way. It, it helps us to understand that there are some areas of our lives and even as, as a body that we struggle with health and we struggle with conflict and we struggle with being shining stars in a crooked and perverse people. But God, would you let us work at it? Let us decide, actually, and put it in our hearts, convict our hearts to work at this so that we're not only being kind and loving because you said so, but because we understand the greater and the bigger picture. And that is our mission that you've given us to be light and to be salt. So may we sing this together in unity and in harmony, believing, believing that we are your representatives to this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.